Hey, Storm Freaks, it's Greg, not Phil. El Nino, La Nina, what does it all mean for storm season? Well, we've got meteorologist and storm analyst Trey Greenwood here tonight to tell us. So my goal when I'm chasing is to see tornadoes. That's why I chase. I know a lot of people chase for uh, photography. for They want to see structured supercells. I want to see tornadoes. I really enjoy the power of tornadoes, obviously, away from people if, if we can. And we've also got funny weather memes to go with our weather fools. All this on episode 181 of the Storm Front Freaks Podcast. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Welcome to the most entertaining weather podcast. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast brought to you by the Drive Weather app. Drive Weather's interactive time slider updates the weather forecast along your route based on your departure time in real time. Have a safer trip by finding out the best time to leave to avoid bad weather. Kind of like uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale, you would uh, would have probably really enjoyed having the Drive Weather app over there recently. Anyway, add it to your phone at driveweatherapp.com or uh, on the App Store. Uh, I want to give a, a quick shout out to uh, some of our new Patreon teammates uh, for supporting the show, including our new teammates. We've got uh, Chris Johnson. Uh, which uh, actually, guys, not my brother, but uh, I actually have a brother named Chris Johnson. But we got enough Johnsons now on the show. We, we got oh a Mark gosh. Johnson. We got a <laughs> Phil Johnson. We got a great. We, got, we also have Danny. We have Cindy. We have Angela. And uh, I, I believe, MJ, we had uh, another uh, new Austin. patron. Yes, Austin. 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 Yep. Nice. Austin Weaver joined just Ooh. today. So that's uh uh, that's really exciting. Uh, and also a, a big shout out to all of our VIP Patreon, Patreon members uh, who are actually with us all uh, live tonight. Uh, we've got Dan and Angela and Garrett uh, all, all, all with us uh, right now in the green room. And uh, uh, we'll be chatting with them during the breaks. And so if you'd like to become a Patreon member, uh, uh, check it out uh, uh, on the website. So. Uh, it's always happy hour on our show and uh, gives us a chance to introduce our co-hosts and uh, learn a little bit about them and find out what they're drinking. So uh, let's go to MJ first. Uh, MJ, our producer and Skywarn coordinator up in Minnesota. MJ, what are you drinking? I'm up in Minnesota where it is in the 80s right now, which nice. is wonderful. <laughs> so I'm drinking a refreshing uh, vodka sour. Uh, wow, that's it. Might that be my good. second or third one. We'll see. <laughs> and okay, let's go to uh, Dina Knightley, meteorologist and weather producer at weather.com. Dina, what are you drinking? All right, you guys, I brought my A game today. I actually found something cool. I haven't tried it yet. It's called Dark and Stormy. Oh, it is nice. uh, a rum and ginger Ooh. beer. And Whoa. I, I spent all like I spent a good half an hour with an owner of a liquor store today trying to find something cool. Oh. So hopefully it's good. That sounds we'll fabulous. That does right, sound yeah. good. That does sound good. Uh, Jen Watson. Uh, now, now, Jen, I think we all know how this is going to go. She's our <laughs> contributing meteorologist at the Weather Channel. Jen, what are you drinking? 
I am drinking delicious hot chocolate because we're not in the 80s here in Atlanta. <laughs> did we even break, break 70, Dina? Do you know? I, don't know if we I can look while we're checking. Maybe low 70s. But yeah, I felt like something warm and cozy. And as you all know, I don't really drink. So. Well, I'm actually drinking a rum and coke myself in my little hotel Very nice. plastic cup. And uh, I'm up here in Coeur d'Alene, uh, Idaho, where it is, uh, I think it's only about 40 here right now, but it's still really? beautiful and sunny. Um, so let's, uh, uh, Jen, are you ready to introduce our guest? I think we should get to our guest. I am so excited about this. And yeah. I'm actually so excited to learn a little bit about the weather. Oh my gosh, me too. So I just have to say our guest, incredible guest, Trey Greenwood, like his resume is one of the most amazing I've ever seen. So we're going to dive right in. He's been chasing and forecasting severe storms, tornadoes, and hurricanes for over a decade. He's also studied the weather extensively, earning a bachelor's degree in geography with a meteorology and climatology emphasis from Arizona State University and a master's degree in meteorology from the University of Oklahoma, where he used mobile radar data to study tornadoes. Trey also serves as a team meteorologist and tour guide for extreme tornado tours and creates forecast and case studies on his YouTube site, Convective Chronicles. So Trey, oh my gosh, I think we're all ready to geek out, learn, and do all the things tonight. <laughs> but the first question I have to ask you, I'm going to get two guys. I'm going to sneak in two for the first two. Um, how did you get into weather? And then I have a follow-up question. So that's a good question. First of all, thanks for having me very much. Um, the first, I, I don't really remember exactly what it was. Um, I do remember when I was about uh, two and a half, three years old, the May 3rd, 1999 uh, tornado outbreak happened in Oklahoma. And uh, I watched a 48 hours documentary with my parents on the uh, Bridge Creek Moore F5 tornado. Uh, and I think after that, I was probably hooked. I would... Uh, go out in my boxer shorts, do fake severe weather coverage in front of my parents in our living room in Southern California uh, mm -hmm. and pretend to be Gary England and whatnot. And uh, <laughs> that was probably one of the, that's the first memory I really have of really being into weather. Parents watched Twister with me when I was young. And uh, ever since then, it's just been a, a real huge part of my life. I, I love that so much. Now, are you one that um, obviously you're a tour guide, but do you like to personally chase solo or do you like, you know, going with a group of people? So I do a bit of both. Uh, obviously, yeah. chasing solo is difficult because there's a lot of distractions uh, when you're out chasing by yourself. You got the radar, the the road, the storm to all to keep in play. So it can be difficult. I usually go out with uh, some friends, thankfully being in Norman, I have a lot of good, good yeah. friends here close by that I go out with. Uh, yeah. um, but I do go out solo, but the tours are, the tours are another thing that I really enjoy. It's, it's always awesome going out on the tours, helping people who dreamt their whole life of seeing tornadoes, helping them get, uh, fulfill their dreams. And, and that's the real rewarding part for me. I love that. Um, I, I love that so much. So let's geek out a little bit about your master's degree and the mobile radar and everything you studied. What was the focus of your thesis and everything? So, that you, oh, hold on. so uh, I was very fortunate coming to OU. I was able to work with Howie Bluestein. Uh, I'm sure you all know who Howie is. Uh, he's you know, I always considered him growing up as one I was on the Mount Rushmore of, uh, you know, weather pioneers. And I remember when I was little watching a, a Nat Geo documentary called Cyclone 
uh, and how he was part of that. And I always ask my mom, Hey, can I get a, can I get a mobile radar truck for my birthday? Uh, <laughs> she always said no, but fast forward to a few years ago, I was able to get a spot working for Howie and was very grateful for that. So my thesis was I was able to operate the racks pole mobile radar. Uh, we got some great data and my thesis looked at a few of those cases, uh, four different cases actually of racks pole data and just trying to find unique things like tornado Genesis. Does it start from the ground up or does it come from a loft downward? Um, you know, different uh, radar signatures and stuff like that using the hodograph, uh, the proximity sounding to and uh, matching that up with the radar data, stuff like that. So, so it was pretty, a pretty Trey, was there, cool was, there a, a, uh, was there a key storm uh, among those during your tenure um, uh, doing the, 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 the mobile radar? So uh, probably the most um, the most fruitful case we got was the Selden, Kansas case from May 24th, uh, 2021. Uh, it was a day where there was an outflow boundary. It had lifted north. Everybody was really far south uh, near uh, Leote, I think it was, and um, was able to convince Howie to get up north. Storms were already producing tornadoes. We got up there and we got a perfect view of the tornado, basically from birth to uh, the death stage of the tornado. We got a full data set. Uh, and how he said it was one of the best data sets he'd had since uh, Dodge City in 2016. So that was kind of my last hurrah uh, before I full, uh, defended my masters. So that was a nice way to, to go out. That was a great tornado. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I don't want to jump on anyone's toes, but I have so many questions. Dina, do you it. have anything? Well, I was curious more because you were telling us right before we started that you have chased down in like Mississippi and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And I have tried to chase it a little bit down here in the South. And it's just a joke. Like I you can't <laughs> see anything. I'm like, yeah. God, why did I even try? And I'm not really um, good about the geography of Mississippi and Arkansas, but can you give me any tips or all, all the listeners tips about, maybe trying to find the highest spot if you're in um, a more cluttered uh, congestion of, of cityscapes or trees or forests like the, like that here in the Southeast. I, I, I kind of gave up. Yeah, it's tough. It's, I enjoy the challenge of it uh, forecasting because it's, it's a different animal than the planes. Really. The storms are a whole different level of, of nuts out there. Uh, the, the parameter spaces are so, so crazy out there compared to what we see in the planes. Usually as far as tips go, you know, it's, I would stay, say, stay on the main roads, try to stay on like I-55, stuff like that. That's where you're going to get your best view. Uh, if you try to venture off into the back roads, you're going to have 200 foot tall pine trees right next to the road, at least on the interstates and the main highways, you can actually have some separation, get somewhat of a view. Um, and, Try to, if you can, if you can find a setup where the uh, Mississippi River Delta is in play, that's always why when I love going out there. So, for example, we just had one the Rolling Fork Mississippi Day. That was a, 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 Louis, a Mississippi River Delta day. Those that is always great because the Mississippi River Delta is just pancake flat. Uh, so I always try to look for those setups. But when you get into the trees, it can be really difficult. Always, I always try to stay. Just and because the storms move so fast out there, the best play is just to sit upstream, find us, try to, uh, you know, scope out a view, get a view and let it come to you. Because usually in the parameter spaces out there, the storms, the tornadoes are going to be long track. So you'll probably see something, but it is a whole different animal. It's really tough. It's not for everybody. I know a lot of people just like 
you know, nice relaxed storm chases on the planes, slow moving supercells. I enjoy the challenge of it and the reward of seeing a tornado out there after, you know, making a very difficult forecast usually. So, uh, but it's very tough. It is so, very so, difficult. So Trey, listen, you uh, have, have mentioned, uh, you brought up rolling fork. So let's, let's go down this road, right? A uh, pretty controversial day, in the world of storm chasing, there was some people that made some mistakes and there was, you know, a lot of discussion and everything, but let's talk about, obviously um, <clears throat> it was a big deal. T talk yeah. to us about like the procedure, the, the, the days leading up, the forecast leading up the morning. What, what did you see on uh, in, in the, in the, both the parameter space uh, in the uh, actual, uh, uh, surface observations day of the satellite like what went into forecasting how how were you able to be at that spot at the right time so first thing i i don't usually look at the models too far out because they're just they're going to flip-flop so i always keep an eye on the spc outlooks they put the day six or seven outlook out i think and just at that point it's just started to monitor it looked like a, a really uh, potent trough was coming in negative tilt trough which is what you want to see usually for severe weather and then as the days leading up to it uh came around started to see some evidence of discrete storm that's another thing for the southeast obviously coming out from norman to the southeast is it's a long haul it costs a lot of money to go out there so i want to pick setups that are that usually have a discrete tornadic supercell threat and that day looked like it was going to have you were going to have multiple rounds both along the main uh, frontal band, the cold front, and also well out ahead. And usually those uh, form along prefrontal confluence bands, little convergence areas where the winds come together just slightly to provide just enough forcing for isolated supercells, discrete supercells all by themselves, uh, which have a better chance of producing tornadoes. So it looked more and more as we were going into uh, the 24th, March 24th, the day of the event. Okay, hold we were, on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. You you yeah. just went into hardcore, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, crazy uh, storm nerd mode there for a second. Slow. <laughs> yeah, I love storm nerd like. mode. I, like I love storm nerd yeah. mode. Come on. Oh, my right. God. Yeah. Hold yeah. on a second. Dina and so, I were the weather nerds. Okay, yeah. so how do you how do you – uh, okay, identify for me, explain what's, what do you mean by a convergence zone? So a prefrontal confluence band or convergence band is basically when the winds are coming together just slightly. So you'll have on one side, you'll have the winds out of the south-southwest. On the other side of the boundary, you'll have them out of the south-southeast, for example. That creates a little bit of convergence. Air is coming together. When air comes together, it has no place to go but rise, and we need rising motion for storms. Usually if you have a cold front, for example, that's a lot of forcing it, Cold fronts are sloped uh, and they're really progressive. So they'll force a lot of storms. When you have a, a confluence band with just very subtle convergence along it, that air is going upward, but it's not going up too drastically. So you're only going to get a few storms usually to fire on those confluence bands. And that's what we look for. That's what a lot of the big Southeast setups like April 27th, 2011, for example. And so when you say looking day. for, where, where, where are we looking for that? Is, is in, in what level of the atmosphere uh, are we looking at in, in uh, wind fields? Is it is it a uh, moisture gradients? What where are you where are you looking for this? So it can be a little tricky to pick out on models because sometimes you, the models just can't resolve that stuff. So if we get usually observations today, and models will pick it out, but usually it'll be 
you can see it at the surface. You'll look at your okay. surface winds Got and it. you'll see them coming together just slightly. You can also see it aloft. We, there have been several events where we've had a cold front or some kind of convergence boundary aloft at about 850 millibars, about a, a kilometer or so off Got the it. ground. That's where we look for them. It can be tough, but on the day of, you'll usually see them on satellite. You'll, you'll look at surface observations, see the winds just barely coming together. That's how you know you have a, a confluence band out ahead of the main front. Right on. Okay, now I cut you off. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so so it became pretty apparent going, coming up to the rolling fork day that we were going to have the potential for multiple rounds, as I said, on the frontal zone, but also on those confluence bands well out in the, uh, in the warm sector, the juicy air mass. And the juicy air mass that day, the warm sector was really broad. It means that the storms that day had a lot of real estate that they could cover with a very volatile environment in place. So that is why the SPC went with the moderate risk and why everyone was a little bit concerned that we could have long track tornadic supercells because it had so much real estate, so much that parameter space was so large over a large area. And of course we saw what happened. So, um, and it became pretty apparent that day that um, you had several rounds to fire up. There was a supercell, I think, south of Jackson, Mississippi, a little bit too far away from the best parameters. You had stuff on the cold front back out to the west, but some stuff fired down in, in uh, southern or northern Louisiana, or kind of se uh, east central Louisiana, about uh, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. or so, and started to move northward into that favorable environment kind of all by itself. And that was, it looked like that was going to be the area and, and SBC saw it, Chaser saw it. And that's why you saw so many people uh, pinpoint that area right on the Mississippi river, just in the Mississippi. Cause that's where the, the environment, the wind shear, the instability uh, was maxed out right along that confluence band. And, and we saw what happened, unfortunately. So Trey, how obviously it's been a very active year so far. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're just getting into spring. How many, and we've had, I mean, for a couple of weeks there, it was just like every four to five days. There it was, was copy and paste. Copy yeah. and paste. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, it yeah. was. Trey, did you go out every single time or what, what did, what was it like for you? So it was a lot of chasing. I'll say that, <laughs> um, that stretch in the end of March, that two week stretch from, uh, you know, March, the, the rolling fork day through, uh, early April, I was able to get out quite a bit, um, the setups in the plains didn't really materialize so much. We had a few severe weather days out here, but the tornado threat was was fairly minimal or something happened to uh, kind of mitigate the tornado threat, uh, yeah. but definitely was out a lot. We had one in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. There was a little tornado in, in Fort Worth that we were on that storm. I went out for the rolling fork day and then going back out to the southeast was able to go and see the Little Rock tornado when we had those two high risks on uh, March 31st. Ended up not chasing on April 4th, that second mo uh, dual moderate risk day, uh, but it's been quite a busy season. Thank it's been nice to have a little bit of a break here as we start April, but I, I have a feeling that's going to change soon. Now, yes. Trey, do you, do you, do you chase like every, is it, I mean, because I was watching a you know Storm Chaser video and they're like, hey, we're going to chase no matter how marginal the setup. Is there a cutoff for you where you're like, hey, if it's a slight risk or if it, you know, maybe not even a slight risk. slight risk. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's like, <laughs> hey, I got to have a 5% hatch tornado perimeter, whatever that would be. Like, do you have a cutoff or is it just kind of a gut thing? So my goal when I'm chasing is to see tornadoes. That's why I chase. I know a lot of people chase for... Uh, photography for they want to see structured supercells. I want to see tornadoes. I really enjoy the power of tornadoes, obviously away from people if, if, if we can. Um, but um, I chase for tornadoes. So if there's a legitimate tornado threat, I'll chase it. And if that means going to Mississippi, 
I'll do it. If there's not going to be a legitimate tornado threat, you know, storms look elevated, elevated structure, and it's not, you know, within an hour or two of home here in Norman, uh, then I probably won't go out for it. Um, so what's a legitimate got... tornado threat? Cause I, I think that, that I like, can you quantify that? Or is it just like a, Hey, like, you know, I, based upon these parameters, I'm thinking that we're at least going to get one tornado somewhere in this region. It's, I would say it's more of a gut feeling. I look at the models, look at the parameters and, you know, if there's enough of low, enough low level wind shear with instability, then, and I think there's, there's going to be a, 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 you know, good shot that a storm is going to produce a tornado rather than just be a hailer. You know, if I see, and we'll probably get into this soon, but if I see there's no low level shear, uh, there's lots of instability, we're probably not going to see a tornado that day. So it's going to have to really take a lot. It's going to be, have to be, you know, uh, epic, epic structure, um, to get me out for that. But, you know, if I see, if it's a 2% day, for example, but it looks to me like there might be a boundary in play or something that can enhance the tornado potential. I'll go out. It's, it's, it's kind of a gut feeling uh, just based on experience, based on pattern recognition and stuff like that. Well, well Trey, I looks think like a hailer, right? So are you gonna... <laughs> sorry, Brady, but like, no, you're good. Like a hair. Are you going to run for that? Run out there no, for that one? I'm staying home. I think tomorrow it looks like the cap's yeah. going to hold. So yeah, it looked yeah. like Trey, it. Trey, I'm yeah. just telling you right now, the last time we chased as a group, we, I got the tornado guarantee from Greg. I didn't see one. So I think I, I think when you Jeez. I think when we go chasing out this May, you might have to like be, you know, I, I think we might text you and be like, hey, do you think there's gonna be tornadoes this day? And if not, maybe we'll just stay in, you know. Hey, no problem. It's kind of one of the biggest Yeah, it's one of the big advantages of, of doing a show like this is that we uh, get a chance <laughs> to meet all these giant brains. And so when we're actually out chasing as a group, we have someone to uh, go and ask that question. Listen, guys, time for a, a quick break. We've got another Storm Chaser safety tip, and we'll be right back with Mar from Trey. It's time for this edition of Stormfront Freaks Podcast, Storm Chaser Safety Tip. Join retired fire battalion chief Randy Denzer, EMA director Eddie Aldrin, and police officer Eric Fox as we discuss some of the most common storm chaser safety pitfalls to avoid. All right, so we're covering storm chaser safety tips. I'm with Randy Denzer. He's a retired fire battalion chief with over 30 years in fire service and a current storm spotter and public safety director for the Spotter Network. Randy, let's talk a little bit about search and rescue because a lot of times storm chasers are going to be or find themselves in situations where there are damaged homes, damaged uh, businesses. And I, I guess my first question to you is if someone is not trained in search and rescue, what would be some simple things that they could do that will help and not be a hindrance uh, to uh, first responders that might come on the scene later? Well, Phil, the biggest thing is, is not becoming part of the problem. Uh, I've preached that for years. And the reason I preach it is because, you know, in my line of work and being in charge with a lot of these big disasters, I've seen people become part of the problem. Um, and, and a lot of times they're very well-meaning people who went in to try to help and didn't recognize a certain hazard like down power lines or whatever else. And then they uh, got themselves injured or worse, killed. I've seen good Samaritans get killed before. So this is a pretty, pretty uh, uh, hot topic for me. 
the the number one thing that chasers can do to lend a hand is to provide an accurate report to 911. It's to activate the 911 system. Um, I've, I've written a couple articles about this. All you chasers out there, let me explain something to you. Um, especially chasers that have been doing it for, you know, more than one or two years or whatever, your veteran chasers. If you had somebody pull up in front of your family's house and it was destroyed, okay, or the neighborhood was destroyed, who would you rather have provide a report back to 911 to get the proper resources en route? Would you rather have just, you know, average Joe citizen who's going to say that uh, three houses on the ground are terrible, you know, and scream that the whole city's wiped out or whatever? Or would you like to have somebody, you know, such as yourself who can provide a very accurate, detailed report and uh, get the proper amount of resources? It, 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 obvious answer is, is that I would rather have storm chasers providing that report. Um, the reason being is because, you know, most chasers, you know, even if you've never stood there firsthand, you have a general idea to be able to, to, to say that, Hey, listen, we have four or five houses down, not the entire neighborhood, especially, you know, when you have the citizens who are, it was their neighborhood, you know, three or four houses to them could be their whole city's destroyed. Right. Um, we're not, you know, as a storm chaser, you point to some of these towns, you're not nearly as, as uh, sensitized to that being your community. So you can provide a more accurate report. So the number one thing that storm chasers can do in search and rescue situations is provide an accurate report back to 911. That's the first thing, Phil. Second thing is when I say not become, don't become part of the problem. Uh, you know, I've heard of a lot of chasers out there. I can give you a bunch of examples and I've, I've talked to a lot of them who have assisted during search and rescue. But I want you to hear me when I say that they've assisted. Uh, unless you have thorough training to be able to operate in a disaster area, I don't recommend it to anybody. Um, if you're assisting somebody, and I, I, there's some big name chasers out there who have gone in and done a lot of really good things, and they've really they worked all night long. I've known I've known guys who have worked with different task forces, you know, Alabama task force and Texas task force and stuff. If you're, be, if you're assisting somebody, you have somebody there with you who has the experience and the training to be able to say, hey, don't step there. That, that smell is not good. Let's move this way because that's natural gas or whatever else. It's okay to assist, but I would never ask anybody who's not trained to initiate any type of search and res rescue operation on their own. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, welcome back to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. This is Greg, uh, not Phil. And uh, listen, we've got with us uh, uh, meteorologist, storm chaser, all round good guy. We got Trey Greenwood with us now. Trey, before we uh, get to Dina's question about hodographs, uh, I want to uh, ask you real quick about 
uh, your favorite tornado that you've ever witnessed. Uh, uh, where was it? When again? What went down? Why was it your favorite? Go ahead. That's a tough one. Um, I would probably have to say this might be a little off the wall, but it was uh, May twenty third, twenty sixteen down in the far southeast Texas panhandle near Turkey. We were chasing all day. Storms were elevated. Then all of a sudden at dark, we had a storm merger and things went nuts. The storm started to rotate, started to produce a couplet. So uh, we were following it on this uh, this farm to market road near Turkey, Texas. Um, and we were just following the cup. The storm was moving east. We were just following behind the tornado. Uh, what we thought was a tornado, the couplet was pretty strong. Um, and we just decided to stop, see if we could see anything. Couldn't see anything. There was a lot of lightning, but you know, back then I was, uh, uh, a noob, if you will. Uh, so wasn't really sure what I was looking at. Uh, but we were looking ahead and another storm chaser pulls up in front of us and we're waiting. We're looking, still looking. And then he makes the quickest three point U-turn I've ever seen in my life. So still can't see anything. I'm thinking, well, maybe he sees something. We should probably turn around. So we flip around. Uh, it's pitch black except for the lightning. I'm filming out the the window, the passenger window, and I see in my camera frame just a black wedge, left <gasps> oh, black man. mass in the camera frame, probably a hundred or two hundred yards oh, off wow. in the field. Oh my god! Oh my god! To to our north, and so I'm saying, let's get the blank out of there. So we got out of there <laughs> to the west. Thankfully, it moved off uh, uh, um, to the north away from us, but um, that was before we knew all this stuff about deviant tornado motion. The storm was moving east or east-northeast, and the tornado was moving back to the northwest at us, and we had no idea. Going Trey, back I, was, I was, I was yeah. literally underneath That's that crazy. storm with you. Were you? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, that... And, and what, was, what was great about that storm was that, honestly, the movement was so slow, right? Like, it, yeah. really, it really it was almost stationary. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, great night, and then the next day was the... Uh, Big, the next day the, was the cherry the big, on top. It was the cherry on top, Dodge mm -hmm. City, Kansas. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. great, great, uh, great story. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dina. How do you guys even chase storms? At, I, sorry. I, I, how do you even chase <laughs> storms at night? I mean, that's crazy. Like, you can't, you can't see the tornado. Like, what? I don't know. Is it just, I don't know. Is it just a, like, Trey, how many times do you go chasing at night nowadays? If there's a tornado threat, I'll keep chasing. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I like the challenge. I know I keep saying that, but I like the challenge of trying to forecast. I like the, I always tell people I like the extra added, added element of, Oh crap, you might die because you can't see it. <laughs> but there are, there are ways to be safe about it. You know, mm -hmm. learning what I did from that experience and some other experiences, you know, you don't go North of the tornado at night. You probably stay a little bit farther back and there's ways to do it safely. Uh, and, but I enjoy it at night. Uh, obviously it's not as photogenic, but um it, it's it can be it can be rewarding if you see something good and get that shot of the lightning illuminating the tornado but yeah, yeah. all right so we we i want to ask you about photographs okay do photographs it. Do it. look so complicated um i know you brought some some that you want to talk about but i guess you know for anybody who's even a novice meter um in weather and they look at a photograph like what I guess maybe one or two things you want to tell us that you pick out, like what's the best reason you're going to use a photograph? First of all, too, I think what is a photograph, right? For the people that yeah. may not know that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I'll start with that. A photograph is basically you're plotting on a graph, a, a graph of circles, if you will, the wind vectors at different heights in the atmosphere. 
and you connect the dots and that's your hodograph. So it shows you the wind shear, the change in wind speed and direction with height. And so I guess I'll bring up the, the uh, sounding here just uh, as an example. And if you can see that on the screen there. Mm -hmm. So this is a, a sample hodograph and it's hard to pick one or two things you, you look for when you're looking at a hodograph is that there's, these are very simple diagrams, but they're so complicated. But I guess the one thing you're looking for if you're chasing tornadoes is you want to see this curvature right here. You want to see this clockwise curvature in the hodograph. That means the winds are moving clockwise or changing in a clockwise direction with height. And that is more favorable for tornadoes to form that gives the supercell storms rotation become supercells and we can get tornadoes from that uh so you always want to look for these this kind of meat hook or sickle shaped hodographs for in a tornado setup this one is obviously an extreme case this was from april 27 2011 the super outbreak and you know just you can tell if you have any experience with hodographs that this is pretty favorable here that means there's a lot of spin in the atmosphere a lot of shear in the low levels for tornadoes and, and explain explain what you mean when you say that, because, uh, again, I think uh, if, if, if you don't know, you don't know what what do you mean when you say you can see that there is this favorable uh, tornado wind? Uh, so. So if you can see the diagram here and it, it's tough if you're just listening to the audio version, but yeah, you, you basically have a grid. And you have circles emanating out from it. It's not like your typical X, Y grid where you have grid boxes. These are circles that, in, that uh, represent the uh, amount, the value of the wind or the magnitude of the wind. Got it. So when the wind is changing in both speed and direction in the first few kilometers of the atmosphere, so and especially doing so in a clockwise direction. So, for example, if you have a wind that's out of the south, as we have here, the wind is out of the south. And it's that at that first circle. So it's 10 knots and say we go up to one kilometer. I'm not exactly sure where the one kilometer mark is, but let's say it's right here. You have a wind that's out of the south southeast now at 45 knots. So you can see that the speed has changed drastically in, in just that little space in the atmosphere. And it's also changed direction. If we go even up farther, say, you know, three kilometers or so, it's now out of the due or out of the southwest, excuse me. And it's at over 60 knots. So you can see that as you go up in the atmosphere, the winds are changing in direction in a clockwise manner. So you go from south southerly or southeasterly surface winds to more of a southwesterly component just above the surface. That means there's a lot of wind shear in the atmosphere, directional shear. And you also have that speed changing as you go up. That is favorable for supercells because that supercells ingest these rolling tubes of air, for example, vortex tubes, and they get sucked up by the supercell. That allows them to attain their rotation. That's why we need these hodographs to, to have this curvature because that veering of the winds with height is best suited for supercells. And then when you have this low level shear like that, that means you have a lot of spin going on in the low levels of the atmosphere. So when you have this meat hook or sickle shaped hodograph, when you have this type of look for it, everyone's seen a, 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 a meat hook or something like that, a sickle, that's when you have that really strong low level shear and also strong deep layer shear throughout the atmosphere for both supercells and then that strong low level shear is best for tornadoes. And this is a, a very, uh, this is a higher end example, uh, but this is uh, you know, a very favorable uh, profile for or hodograph for tornadic supercells. Got it. So, so how does that, that sickle shape, like, okay, on like the, the one you pulled up was April mm -hmm. 11th. So listen, April 11th, uh, 2011, uh, or, or sorry, April of 2011, it was the, that was the 27th? Is that the, the, yeah, the April, yeah, 27, April 27th, 2011. Yeah. So 
I mean, if you would have taken uh, a sounding anywhere, <laughs> you know, that day, you would have probably got a very similar type photograph. Correct. So yeah. what is it um, and how does that uh, sounding at that spot at that moment, how does that help your forecasting when the entire region, for example, is probably showing a similar type photograph? So from these diagrams, these whole sounding diagrams, and I'll zoom back out here on the, the screen, this left portion is a skew T that tells us the thermodynamics in the atmosphere, how, you know, the, how the temperature of the air changes as you go up, how moist the air is as you go up. And of course, we just looked at the photograph there, this, this top right box, um, which shows you your kinematic profile, your wind profile as you go up in the atmosphere. Now, you're going to have a pro in these higher end setups, you'll have a broad area where the uh, parameters are going to look really good. But obviously they're going to be subtle changes. The atmosphere is not you know, perfect. You're going to have subtle changes, perhaps as we talked about earlier, those little confluence bands. You might see a slightly better photograph on, on the east side of a, a confluence band than you will on the west side. So that might help you target maybe a little bit farther east out in the, in the warm sector for that. You also may see something like this where you have a little bit of an inversion here, this little bit of capping inversion. The red profile here on the skew T is your temperature profile. And if it juts out to the right like that, that means you have a little bit of a capping inversion, the lid on the atmosphere that could inhibit uh, or not allow storms to go up through that. And you may get what we call a blue sky bust. Obviously, on this day, this was not uh, an inversion that, that um, held anything back on April right. 27, 2011. But you can have something like this that looks and it'll, we call it a warm nose because it juts out so much. It'll sap your instability and not allow storms to fire. Maybe that is in one portion of your setup that you see a little bit weaker cap maybe east of a confluence band or right north near the, the surface low where you have a little bit better f forcing to get storms through that. So you might target that area versus another area where you, the cap might be too strong or your wind profiles are not quite as favorable. So, you know, observe soundings, obviously we don't have, um, you, you can't have an observed sounding, a, a weather balloon go up at every single point within a, a, a possible severe weather area. But we have these model soundings, which can help us. They're not perfect. They're models. They're computers giving their best guess at things. But you can see differences if you pull a bunch of soundings for, across the uh, the target area, and usually you'll see you know maybe some that are just slightly better than others that have maybe a greater tornado threat from a chasing perspective. You might want to go there instead of where the, the soundings are just not quite as favorable uh, elsewhere. So, uh, with <laughs> at what point during the day do you transition from even looking at soundings? to just watch and radar or is, is the, does that point ever come or do you constantly go back to the soundings? So I try to look at soundings as much as I can through the day. Obviously the weather service offices only have a certain amount of soundings. So they, they release them usually at 7 a.m. Central time and uh, 7 p.m. Central time. But on bigger days, they'll release them at maybe midday or something, maybe three, 4 p.m. That is super helpful, on, especially on bigger days, to see how the atmosphere is changing from the morning. Because when you're doing your forecast in the morning, picking a chase target, you'll look at soundings. So you should be looking at soundings because right. that is uh, that's observed data. The day of a chase, you should stop really looking at models. You should look at the observed data. And the soundings are a really critical piece of that. So if they you release soundings throughout the day on a big event, they usually will you can see how the atmosphere is changing throughout the day. And maybe you know, you'll readjust your target if a sounding, maybe at Dallas-Fort Worth looks too capped, but maybe a sounding at Norman doesn't look quite as capped. You'll, you maybe can adjust based on what you see from the soundings. That's so interesting. Trey, I feel like all of us here could listen to you speak for hours, like an entire day. Like we could <laughs> like you. lengthen this podcast. I would like to take a little photograph class. 
Uh, yeah, sure. No let's kidding. Do it. No kidding. <laughs> Trey, I we still want to, but I, I want to talk a little bit about Enzo, um, sure. El Nino, Southern Oscillation. We've been, we had been in La Nina for basically like Three. a year and a half, right? La Nina. Yeah. It's been, yeah. Every time I think of that, I think of, uh, yeah, like a Chris really Farley. long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now we're starting to transition to neutral. Looks like El Nino uh, later this year. How does that impact and how are you feeling about this year's, you know, spring chase season, even though it's obviously been very active already and then the hurricane season, cause you do chase hurricanes, don't you? Correct. Yeah. Yes. So t- tell us a little bit about what you're thinking for the rest yeah. of the year. So I'll preface this by saying I'm definitely not an expert in this climate teleconnection stuff, but I did work with it at ASU. My, my honors thesis dealt with ENSO stuff. And I've did a lot of research for that tornado forecast video on my convective chronicles channel. So I do know a good amount about it. And we've already seen the effects of the uh, background teleconnections with the early part of the season. We we're so we've surpassed, we've set a record basically for the first three months of the season, January through March for tornado count in the U S and that is partly because of the favorable um, progression of the ENSO phase. We're going out of La Nina into neutral that based on the research from, from Lee et al, I believe was one of the papers I used in that video that shows that that's a really favorable setup for March and April um, tornadoes in the U S and obviously it's, it's come to fruition. Now, later in the season, the teleconnection, the connection between ENSO and tornado, um, frequency is not quite as strong as you go into May and June. So April, we can still, I think there's still some hope for a, a fairly average to above average April. We've already had a fairly active start. We're in a little bit of a lull now, but some of the models are hinting that we might get out of that by the end of April. So I think we'll start to see the things come to fruition again with some more active uh, setups. May and June are a little bit in question. The ENSO teleconnection again is not quite as strong that late into the season. It's much better earlier in the year, but based on just some of the analogs I saw in my, uh, I looked at for my uh, ENSO forecast, tornado forecast video, some of the Mays and Junes in those years were kind of iffy for tornadoes. For example, 2018 was one of the um, analogs for this, the particular uh, ENSO setup we're in. That was one of the most, one of the more dismal, uh, at least chase seasons in the last, in recent memory, especially in May and June. We had one event early in May and maybe a day or two in late May, and that was about it. And going into June, it was equally quiet. So some of those analogs, most of the analogs, unfortunately for chasers, Fortunately for people who live in these areas, looks like it might be a little bit quiet uh, as far as May and June go. But since we've had such an active season so far, that might just bring us down to average and we may end up having just an average season. As far as hurricanes go, that's not, I'm, again, not too well versed in the hurricane teleconnections. But El Nino, as we go into summer, we'll probably see an El Nino. We're actually going into El Nino a little bit faster than what forecasts were showing. And that tends to suppress activity in the Atlantic and bolster activity in the eastern pacific so places like baja california western mexico uh, out in the pacific there they may see a little bit more active season whereas on the atlantic we might get a break i know it's been kind of an active stretch for us in the atlantic for the last several years especially along the central gulf coast there louisiana mississippi uh we may see a little bit quieter year there but on the flip side the gulf of mexico's bathtub a bathtub right now the water is boiling out there so it's competing factors. It's hard to say the background teleconnections say we might have a quiet hurricane season in the Atlantic, but you can never count out the Atlantic. Uh, we've already had that, that little tropical esque low there today, produce some tornadoes in Georgia. The Gulf is boiling. It's so if we get any storm going in, into the Gulf, it, watch out for sure. That's great to note, Trey. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. We're, we're going to have you on again for a second round for part sure. two, I feel like. Um, for sure. And, 
just one final quick question. Do you chase more tornadoes than hurricanes or, you know, how do you factor that in, you know, with everything that you do and what hurricanes do you chase? So uh, I definitely chase those hurricanes just based on the frequency of them and where I'm located. Norman is obviously kind of in the center of things. So tornadoes are easier to chase and supercells are easier to chase. You get plenty but, of hurricanes in Norman, don't you? Right? <laughs> uh, what was that one in 2007 or eight? The, <laughs> the land hurricane or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I do enjoy chasing hurricanes because it's a different, it's a different type of chasing. You know, you can't really bust when you're chasing a hurricane because you see it coming. Tornadoes yeah. are a lot harder yeah. to forecast, but you can see a hurricane coming, but uh, I, as someone who enjoys experiencing the power, obviously you never like to see it in populated areas like that, but I enjoy experiencing those strong winds around me and in the eye wall of a hurricane. So usually I'll try to chase, uh, usually cat three or above. I've chased some category one and twos, ones and twos. Those were from a chasing perspective, at least not quite as exciting. Um, but I've been in, in hurricanes like Laura and Ida category fours. You still haven't seen a category five, but I usually try to see go for category three and above as those really, those really get the juices flowing from a chasing perspective. That's awesome. Uh Oh, is that a hurricane? There's that sound. It's, uh, it's now time for our famous world famous lightning round. This is a game show. <laughs> flashy and brilliant question I, I, can't, I can't even believe you said that with a straight yeah, face. yeah yeah <laughs> okay so we invite everyone to play along with us and listen uh, uh trey I, I understand you are a poker player you enjoy playing poker yes sir yes you, sir you, I do. Oh. you like playing poker okay mm -hmm. well, first of all before we get into the, the the game show what's more uh, uh a bigger adrenaline rush you're sitting there with pocket aces and then an ace uh <laughs> comes up and there's somebody is betting hard against you and your adrenaline starts <laughs> so what what is that a bigger adrenaline rush or is is the tornado the bigger adrenaline rush you know i gotta say i've been close to a lot of tornadoes there's nothing better than <laughs> Check Ray's bluffing on the river. Oh, yeah. Pocket rock, baby. Yeah. All right. So, like have, uh, so, Trey, have Pocket you ever been rocket. to Vegas? You ever been to I've Vegas? I've been to Vegas once. I've not played poker in Vegas. You've never oh, played no. poker in Vegas. All right. You got to put that on your bucket Trey, list. have you Trey? played poker in Vegas? I, I actually have played poker wow. in Vegas. Wow. But did you man. did you walk out with your pants? No, or, no. I mean, no, I'm not. I am not a poker player like Trey. It was one of those. <laughs> you know, it would be a hoot. Let's go play poker. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, maybe Listen, we'll see him in May, and we. I'll, you know what? I'll poker. bring the chips. I'll bring the poker chips. Let's go. Right Let's do it. Yeah. Right on. Okay. <laughs> well, listen. It. Tonight we're playing. Sin City, hold 'em or fold 'em. Wow. <laughs> okay. So. Uh, 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 freaks, you guys are welcome to play along, but uh, uh, Trey, we're going to give you the first crack at answering these questions, and then, uh, and I, listen, I went through them, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we've thrown a few softballs here. Okay. So, uh, if you strike out, like, listen, our last guest we had on this show. Oh God. Uh oh. Now, I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here, right? Our last guest was the worst lightning round uh, player in the history of the Stormfront Freaks. Um, and if you want to know what I'm talking about, you have you don't have to listen. Go back and listen to the last step. But OMG, was it bad? He's 100% so, right. So, 100 so Trey, right. you uh, don't actually have very big uh, hat to fill 
uh, okay. today. Good. But uh, <laughs> uh, uh, are you guys all ready to get into this? Yes. Yes. All right. So, uh, uh, Trey, if you get it right, you're going to hear this sound. Boom. Uh, if you get it wrong, you're going to hear the following sound. Ah. So we got to hear lots of ding, ding, dings. Okay, Trey? Okay. okay. All right. So question number one. What Polynesian-themed casino on the Las Vegas Strip, which is the permanent home of the Beatles' love, uh, gets its name from a false vision of water that is often seen in the desert? I believe that would be the Mirage. Yeah, Woo! that's right. One for okay. one. That's that's wow. good. That was that, we okay. started off pretty uh, pretty easily though. That was a bit of a, a soft. I had no idea. So okay. Don't ask. Well, yeah, it may fall. It may fall off here. We'll of, see. Yeah, he gave that okay. one good good clue. All right. So um, uh, question number two: If you're in Vegas and you need some fuel for your risk taking adventures, head over to Evil Pie on Fremont Street. This pizzeria is a wall to wall tribute of memorabilia devoted to which death-defying daredevil? Oh. Uh, just based on the name, I'm going to say Evil Knievel. Okay. Bingo. Yeah. Okay. Sure, two, got it too, yep. Two for two. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. All right. Uh, okay, number three. Getting a college degree might, be your, might not be your top reason to go to Vegas, but which university makes its home campus in Las Vegas? University of Nevada, Las Vegas, the running rebels. You bet. Damn, I Trey. feel like I feel like Trey, you have already uh surpassed. He's already kind of won already. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. okay. I'm gonna what? be honest. Yeah, I don't ahead. know any of that. I don't know what's happening. I really Seriously? don't. I, I know none of these. I don't know how you guys are getting them, but okay. Here it is on fire. Number four. What Las Vegas hotel and casino located in Las Vegas, Nevada, at the southern tip of the Strip, is owned by MGM Resorts and has an Egyptian theme? Um, Ooh, a little tougher one, hey, Trey? Oh, that one is tougher. Oh, gotten a little smut there. Does it start with an Egyptian theme? It? It's. Is it the Grand? There's a pyramid. There's a space. Is it Caesar's Palace? Oh, my God. <laughs> No. Uh, that close. is the Luxor. The Luxor. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Oh, yeah. I didn't get that either. The Luxor is the one with the big pyramid, right? Isn't that that's the, right? The, the that's pyramid? right. That is correct. You, got a big yeah. you see it when you fly in. I, yeah. yeah, I should have known that one. Yeah. It is really old. I stayed there like a year ago. It is like it's like disgustingly old. So yeah, it is <laughs> really. Like it is. Really. Yeah. It is. All right. Next question. Number five. You're you're uh, three and one uh, now, Trey. So number five. What 2012 comedy was filmed mostly on site at Caesar's Palace, including the lobby, pools, and elevators? Oh, boy. So, believe it or not, I hate movies. I, I cannot sit Whoa. through movies. But, what? But I think it's The Hangover. Yes. Nice. Okay, good one. Good I'm one. an Ed good Helms one. fan, so... I yeah, I like and, and, and so. speaking of speaking of Ed Helms, uh, uh, Brady can't t pull his tooth out to show you uh, right <laughs> yeah. now. But, uh, I will say, I, I could if I really on. tried. I could if I really tried, no, but no, then no. it would be thousands no, more dollars. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, question number six: A cool two hundred and fifty thousand dollars buys one night of VIP, including Jay-Z branded champagne and the right to control the famous fountains at this Las Vegas Strip Hotel. That is the Bellagio, I believe. 
is the Bellagio. I didn't realize it's 250,000. That's that yeah. much. Yeah, really? $250,000. Ah. There's a lot yeah. of things you could do with I'll, that kind I'll of money. I'll get you guys all one. Oh, thanks, Tito. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that you can build Santa. one hell of a chase villa, a vehicle with 250k. I'm just telling yeah. you. Yeah, right. there's a lot more you can do. The, the Batmobile. All right. Yeah. Next question. In 1998, the lights on the strip went down, and casinos paused play for one minute to mark the death of which blue-eyed singer who may have loved the Big Apple, but his home away from home was the Sands. Mm. I think I'm too young for this. Possibly. Yeah, probably, but you should still know um, it. Likely. I didn't know it. I didn't know it until I see Garrett just post Remet, it. The, the good clue is the blue eyes. Yeah. That won't mean oh, anything, though. Wait, it's uh, Sinatra. Are you good? Sinatra. No. <gasps> oh, he, oh he, nice. he did it well taking a drink. I, did, nice. I, just, gotta think. I just had to think. I like the old yeah. music. That's yeah, a little not, not nice my thing. Good job, but... Trey. But good job, Trey, Trey, Trey. Garrett's All right. killing it too. Yeah, he is yeah. really killing it. Uh, okay, next question. If it's your first trip to the strip, you have to stop and get your picture taken in front of the famous sign that says, Welcome to blank Las Vegas. What is the blank? Welcome to blank Las Vegas. Mm, that I have uh, no idea. Oh, Viva. Fabulous. No. Fabulous freaks. Freak? Oh, there is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Welcome to fabulous, okay. fabulous Las Vegas. Oh, I guess MJ, you're right. I should have gone to the freaks on that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it to you. Don't worry. All right. And then uh, uh, we got uh, two more here for you, Trey. Okay. Uh, we're going to lightning round these, this up here. Okay. Swamp thing, diamond dog and Grissom escaped on fire trucks after a massive plane crash on the Vegas strip at the end of what? 1997. Nicholas Cage movie. Oh, shoot. Yeah. It's funny. I could remember Nicholas Cage before I remembered the name of the movie. Swamp Thing, he... Diamond, Dug and... Diamond Dog, and Grissom. Starts with he had scene. really terrible hair in it. He has really terrible hair. Yeah, he has it anyway. Yeah. He? Yeah. <laughs> was, I don't know. Was... He was particularly know. bad. You're right. Dude. Yeah. It was bad. That would be Freaks. Con Air. Con yeah. Air. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. 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 All right. <laughs> now, last question. Viva Las Vegas. The 1964 song made for the movie Viva Las Vegas was originally recorded by what legendary American rock and roll musician? That one's got to be Elvis Presley, right? Yeah. I think uh, I think uh, I think I kind of gave it away. Uh, yeah, you did. I was gonna guess John. I was gonna guess Johnny Cash or ACDC, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> great, great job. Thank you. Nice job, Trey. Thank you. Trey, Thank you. you're awesome. Thank you. So thanks for playing, Trey. Listen, uh, Trey, where can our listeners uh, follow you on social media on YouTube? Tell us all of all of your. Uh, contact information that way so they they can look you up like we will. So it's Convective Chronicles on everything. Either it's a tornado as the profile pic or a weather map as the profile pic. You'll see it. But Convective Chronicles on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So anywhere there, you can find me. Great handle, by the way. Uh, listen, guys, we're going to take our final break now. And uh, when we're, uh, we're not done, uh, because when we come back, we've got tonight uh, Weather Fools. And funny weather memes are coming right up. Uh -huh. 
Hi, this is Extreme Meteorologist Reed Timmer, and you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. Let's take a drive under the moon. Welcome back, Stormfront Freaks. Everyone that's listening in. Guys, what is that sound? Who is that band that's playing right now? Does anyone know who that band is? That's The Who, guys. And uh, I only know that because Phil told me. So that's The Who. Who am I? I'm Brady. What is this segment? Uh, it's The Weather Fools. And what is The Weather Fools for those that are a little forgetful? That's me. My grandma's also a little forgetful. Hopefully she's not listening to this podcast right now. She'll probably kill me. Uh, but what is The Weather Fools? Well, it's us as the weather, you know, Stormfront Freaks. We're going out on the internet. We're going out on the dark web, as Phil likes to say. We can bash Phil all we want. So he's not here tonight. Uh, but uh, so so we're going out on the on the you know the internet, and we're looking for someone that did something not so smart, and it deals with the weather. This could be a picture. This could be a video. And I understand since Phil's not here, we got to pick up the slack this week, guys. I know we brought the weather fools this week. Dina, who is your weather fool this week? Okay, I have two, and they're quick. But this one is, you know, with all the snow out in um, the Sierra. This one, this guy, it's what it's like to shovel off the roof of my house, standing on the roof for the first floor trying to clear the snow. And this guy is just like the snow on his roof is higher than he is. He's digging like a cave. Yeah. It's the craziest thing because you see, like, I know – I think the highest snow total we saw out there for the season was like 800 inches or something insane. Oh but look at this guy. It's like, he, and he's on his roof. You can't even tell where this is. Like, <laughs> is he on the ground? Is he on the roof? I, I think crazy. I think he's fighting a losing battle there. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. I don't know where it, it's insanity. But that yeah. one I just had to show you because that's like, wow. that That's just an accident waiting to happen. That is an accident. <laughs> and then, then I have a, it, this one's kind of cute. Just the epic ice slip. <laughs> the guys, it's so, ow! There he goes. And he goes Ooh. down. And down I mean, he goes. I, oh. I feel this guy's pain when he hits the ground. Oh. Wait, yeah. is that, is that, is that Brady's hockey team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this right now, Greg. We would have fallen way before that guy did. I'm just telling you right now that, that guy stayed up for an unbelievable amount of time. He did. Huh. You don't, you don't yeah. see him get up though with his dislocated shoulder. <laughs> no. no. He, he went down. Hard. He's not getting back up. He's like, screw this man. All right. So that, that was my two. I just thought they were kind of funny. Wow, they are. And I think as winter is ending, we'll see less and less of that and more uh, weather fools for severe weather and flooding. I'm sure we're going to see some of those. Jen, I understand you have a weather fool this week. Who is your weather fool this week? I do have a weather fool. So um, basically, it's just everyone in Fort Lauderdale who is just like, you know what? It's okay if we're, you know, making records with the rainfall. We're still going to drive through it and get to wherever we need to go. Um, Insane flooding this week, as you probably know. And actually, just in a day, um, they got over 20 inches reports of what was it? 26, 27, 26 inches. Crazy. Yeah. Which Look is at that. Crazy, it's above the, it's like barely yeah. see the top of the car. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just drive and, through that. But That's like, smart. I like, I like how they, all the flooding ones, it's always like somebody in a truck. I got a truck. Yeah. <laughs> and the I thing is, people don't, 
people don't realize even if that water doesn't get up like above like the engine, the splash of the water as you're driving, that still gets into it. So even like lower flooding where you're just like, oh, we can still drive through it. No, but that still damages your engine. You don't need to do that. Like it's just, it's smarter and better just to stay home, stay where you are and just wait it out. So. Oh yeah. Yes. And and I, and I saw pictures of Fort Lauderdale literally looking like a zombie town, you know, because there were just abandoned cars everywhere. Cause I think it caught a lot of people off, you know, by, by surprise, but then again, it had been raining all day. So, you know, turn around, don't drown people. If, if you see high water, please, please turn around and don't drown. Cause I don't want to see you on this podcast. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> All right, all right, Greg, you want to go next? Who is No, your I don't. I do not want to go next. And the reason well, is, that's is too that bad. my weather fool was the exact same weather fool that Jen just <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. So, oh, so I mean, it's it's going to be, and, and I know this is the type of moment that would really piss Phil off, uh, <laughs> but there we are. And But let me just say uh, about that, that video, uh, the one you see them, uh, the one thing I don't understand you watch one car go by and the wheels up kind of like uh, kind of to the running boards on the bottom of the car. But then like a few minutes later, seemingly the same amount of water, you see a roof of a car kind of floating down the <laughs> same path. So I'm just either a really, really low rise uh, type, type, type. I mean, it was, it is Florida. So maybe it is some sort of low riser or, or mm. low ride. Uh, well, you know what I'm trying to say? Anyway, uh, that's it for me, Brady. No weather for you. Tag me, Greg. Tag me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. MJ, go ahead. I understand, uh, you know, you you didn't slack off this week. I know you brought a weather fool that wasn't a copy. So go ahead. And uh, I, I'm lucky. I always get the one contributed by, uh, you know, by our fans. And our own VIP, Garrett, uh, contributed this one. So I should almost have him introduce it. But you have to watch this, okay? Um it looks like a peaceful day, sort of, although there's a little hail coming, right? Um, but this guy's on his porch. He's just uh, filming the weather. And you just have to wait for it um, oh, no. because oh, this no. is absolutely crazy. It's oh, hailing no. a little bit. Uh, if you can hear the audio, it's getting a little bit uh, loud. Now you can start to see some, uh, you know, haziness. And oh, watch yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. Watch this. Oh Here gosh, comes the wind. Oh my oh, God! The garbage, the garbage can. Yeah, guy's still yeah. standing on his oh. porch, just uh -oh. filming it. Watch oh. the trees. <laughs> watch, oh my God! Watch everything that happens. Oh, and then he turns away for a moment, right? And you can yeah. see in the reflection. You can oh. see all the debris flying around. Oh, oh my God! Oh. Now look. Oh my oh. God! Oh. Huge freaking tree. <laughs> That's a tree. Is that a legit tornado? Just this, hit it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, that's wow. a little rock tornado. That's a little rock tornado. Yes, and you, and he oh stands on his porch and films this entire thing. Trees laying down on the car, probably twenty feet away from him, if that. Oh, oh that that dude is lucky to be alive. Absolutely, incredibly lucky to be alive. Like yeah, all it would take is one small object traveling yes. at you know yeah. two hundred miles an hour and hitting him in the. He's head. gonna I pan mean, around. You have to, oh uh, that's why it's a little bit long, but you have to wait for it. And you got to go and see this. If you're listening oh. to this podcast, go to the video and look. He pans around Jeez. and look at it. Oh my wow, God. That's a big tree. The neighborhood is gone. It's oh Yeah, look at all it's, Oh, and some hit his house too. Some Absolutely his house. incredible. That is a supreme weather fool. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no but. kidding. 
It really so. is. Oh my God, Garrett, that is a great find. I just yes. have to yeah. say kudos Absolutely. to you. That's phenomenal. That's a good one. And I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you heard the tornado sirens and his first instinct was, I'm going to go outside <laughs> and right. video, right. you know, and, and it's right. just like, guys, if we hit a sirens, those are, that's not a, that's not a call. That's not like the, you know, bat <laughs> signal. Everyone come outside and look, you know, it's like, get to yeah. shelter. Come on. Yeah. Cause that he, I mean, he is lucky to be alive. Honest yeah. To totally lucky to be alive. So there yeah, you go. And uh, I would say MJ, that would go up in the, uh, uh, the weather, weather fools, Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Fame for yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I was almost hoping there was a reflection of him somewhere, like holding his bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was and, hoping he'd pan around right. and I'd see his reflection, but I didn't. And that was the Little Rock tornado that had to be early on in its life cycle because if that was like EF three plus, I mean, he would have been dead because oh, yeah. his built his sure. his house wouldn't have, you know, withstood that. So that's uh, that's that's pretty crazy. So yeah, that was wild. Well, I did have a weather fool, but this has never happened in the history of weather fools. There have been two duplicates because I had the same wow. video. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so after so, after making fun of me for five yeah, I minutes. Know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I, I and you know there, it's so, good. But hey, yeah, you know it's good then. Yeah. That's right. So that, that's never happened on on, uh, on Stormfront Freaks in 181 episodes. So for those that are listening, <laughs> two, this is the doubles. first time that two duplicates have two occurred. Two duplicates. Yep, wow. so it's pretty wild. Well, uh, well, we're gonna have all of those videos uh, as well as the duplicate videos. We're gonna have that up on uh, stormfrontfreaks.com. Look for show one hundred and eighty seven. Or sorry, one hundred eighty one. I was getting ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> ah. I kind of like this song, even though I have to introduce funny weather memes. I just kind of want to jam out for a second. <laughs> but this is the this is another fun part of the show. The funny weather memes, you know, it's the cute little weather memes we see on Facebook and Twitter and things. And 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 I know we have a couple of them. I think Jen, you have one, right? I do have one. Um, and this one, so um, I love what is this office space? I believe that this is. Oh uh, yeah, definitely from there. And I feel like this is perfect for uh, what's going on this week because we've seen insane roller coaster rides and temperatures, like literally thirty-five to forty degree dips within twenty-four hours. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, I, I forget the boss man's name here um, from Office Space, but he's like. Yeah, if we could not have all four seasons of weather in one week, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> that was my attempt. Yeah, that's that was perfect. Really, that was a really bad impersonation, but you get what I'm saying. So I just feel like that was, yeah, that was totally that's, good. Everything from Office Space is funny, though. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. Hey, Greg, you have one, you said, right? Yeah. Uh, do you have that up, MJ, as mine? Uh, uh, it's there. Mine? Well, you oh, can it see is. a bunch of them. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, that, yeah, okay. You can see the North Carolina weekend one. So, uh, yeah, mine is called North Carolina weekend. Now, uh, again, Jen, almost ah. the same sort of idea with yours is we can probably put this up for pretty much anywhere around North America the yeah. last few weeks, right? But we got a Friday. Uh, it's clearly flooding. The The trampoline is 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 completely underwater saturday it's covered in snow and, and sunday the grass is green and it's kind of <laughs> felt like that, you know we got this warm weather followed by the snowstorm and uh i guess that's what happens when you get the uh, low pressure systems rolling through this time of year so that's mine 
All Love right. It. That's awesome. Brady, you got you've got one, right? Is it a duplicate? No duplicate. <laughs> no duplicate today. Uh yeah. So so I got one. Uh and it's kind of staying on trend here. It's Aww. weather cat, right? It's a little it's nice little black <laughs> cat. Oh, you. Nice you say exactly so so what, what gets cuter than a nice little black cat, you know, doing the weather. So back to you and that's 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 how you okay i've got one here too uh you know forecast for the weekend one inch to two feet of snow (laughs) (laughs) when you can't figure out how much you want (laughs) you know and okay and then this one is my all-time favorite of all time because i've worked in tv when you're stuck in the snow and bosses bosses be like used to coming to work, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. and your car is buried in snow just because oh, I think anybody man. who's been in that in a meteorologist, you have to actually be at work because yeah. you're doing the weather. So yeah, what's your anyway. excuse if you're a meteorologist, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll post those on our show notes for episode 181 in stormfrontfreaks.com. <laughs> MJ. You've got mail, baby. That's right. And we do. We got Luna Light checking in again. So uh, welcome back. Luna Light. I like that name. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do too. I recommend you listen to the episode 175 of Stormfront Freaks about search and rescue and providing help in disaster situations. They also said when hell breaks loose, a trash bag with holes for head and arms can be improv raincoats. (laughs) <laughs> i think we all did that as a kid didn't we oh absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah i still do that uh, at baseball games i was just gonna say at every baseball game yeah. you you see the trash bag yep. uh, patrol yeah absolutely yeah. um uh the weather store wx store um checked in on twitter and says in the director's interview on stormfront freaks he said alec baldwin studied two tims the great tim samaris of course yeah. And do you remember who the other Tim was? The the one oh. and only Reed Timmer. Oh, Reed. Oh. That was the two Tims. Yeah, that's the two Tims he talked about. Well played. Okay. Well played. Yep. That was. That got us for a second. <laughs> <laughs> and and Clarence Smith uh, checked in with us and uh, actually had, uh, had done a review of Supercell and said Supercell was a fun ride with some Easter eggs for Storm Chasers, the chasing consultants, did their job and were obviously listened to good attention to de- detail, no complaints on the chaser weather side of things. And then followed that up by saying, now having listened to the Stormfront Freaks podcast number 179 with the director of Supercell, I feel my short review is pretty solid. Storm chasing and filmmaking are two of my favorite things after all. So thanks Aww. for checking in. Very uh, cool. Oh, nice. Very cool. It's awesome. I love and that. uh and that's the uh, freak fan box for today right on well thanks so, mj yeah. listen gang gang no phil no phil and but we uh, did it I, I, we, we did it wow bravo bravo good work uh, Greg and MJ. in fact in fact yeah. i think we can all agree Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, no, Phil. Like maybe one eighty-two or one. Anyway, listen, guys, that just about does it for this episode of the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. And before we announce the guest of our next episode, if you like the show, don't forget to follow us on your podcast player so you get notified and receive the latest episodes of our show delivered right to your library the moment they get released. And if you enjoyed the show we put together, send a friend your favorite episode.
And that's right. You can subscribe to our YouTube page and watch some of our previous versions of Stormfront Freaks Raw, which are completely unedited. Hear all the great conversations during breaks, great questions from our Patreon VIPs, and who knows uh, what else gets censored out of our audio podcast. <laughs> Just search it's Stormfront really Freaks on YouTube or find the link on our website, stormfrontfreaks.com. And guys, we also want you to be on our Patron team or Patreon, as Phil likes to say. Uh, and guys, really, I mean, you can find there, there's any number of different levels of support all the way down to as low as $1 per month. You can give more than that. We'd be happy to take more, but you can do as low as $1 per month. I mean, I, you guys, you know, you can get a, a coffee for, for more than that. So that that's nothing. Uh, visit stormfrontfreaks.com to find the uh, Patreon links. You can join our raw broadcast. Uh, you can join actually with us live on the show. You can see as we record them. Uh, you can have access to exclusive merch or get on the waiting list to become one of our limited VIPs and actually be with us in the green room watching the show, asking questions to our guests every show. I love that. And if you're going to be going storm chasing, you need gear and you need our gear. So don't forget to check out all the new Stormfront Freaks merchandise currently on sale for chase season. We have new hats, t-shirts as low as $16, sweatshirts, tanks, and more, all with our Tornado logo. So you'll find it along with everything else at stormfrontfreaks.com. So Freaks, tell us how we can follow you. Uh, for me, you can you can find me, Tornado Greg, on uh, social media. And uh, CameraEasy.ca is my teaching website. But uh, Jen, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Jennifer Weather, and Twitter at jwatson underscore WX. Brady? You guys can find me on Twitter at uh, Brady Harris WX. I also, you know, kind of entertain with TikTok, similar places. I like to go incognito there. So you can try and find me, but uh, good luck. <laughs> MJ, where can we find you? On Twitter at Mark Stormpod, M A R C Stormpod. Dina? On Twitter, it's LadyPilot70. And uh, Instagram is Dina OSU. Right on. Love Very it. good. Special thanks to our guest tonight, Trey Greenwood. Right Woo! on. Studios, Storm Chaser Jordan Hall. Patreon members will be able to watch live on Thursday, April 27th. The audio podcast will be available to everyone else on the following Sunday. And so, for Phil, for MJ, for Dina, for... For Brady and for our guest, Troy, I'm Greg, and I'm giving an all clear. We'll catch you next time on the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Woo! Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast.